0: Everyone and welcome to Rare Liquid Careers. Today, we're talking about investment banking and I'll be interviewing Ritika Pai who was an investment banking analyst at Morgan Stanley in their tech group, which is one of the top investment banking groups in the entire world. And before I get started, I did wanna let you guys know that I used to be the J.P. Morgan UC Berkeley recruiting captain for a few years. And I put together a guide in terms of how to get into investment banking with a lot of my best tips that I've accumulated over the past few years. And so if you want to get access to, access to that, check out rareliquidcareers.com. I'll leave a link to it in my description below. And with that said, let's get the interview started. So thank you, Ratika, again for joining. And yeah. can you just first start off by walking us through your background?
1: Yeah, so I um, was born in India. And then moved to the Bay Area when I was four and pretty much lived there my entire life. So, high school, went to college at Berkeley, where I majored in business and minored in public health or public policy, Um, and uh, kind of did a bit of a finance exploration track in college. And so, it was very unsurprisingly that I did banking out of college um, at Morgan Stanley in their tech banking team in Menlo Park in the West Coast. Um, Did that for a couple of years and then moved on to. Sort of late stage venture growth equity investing um, at a firm called Iconic, which is based in San Francisco. So I joined them about three years ago um, in their San Francisco office, um, and then actually very recently did a really big personal move um, and moved out to London in October of last year. And so, uh, still with Iconic and kind of building out their European presence. Um, so, work wise, it's pretty similar, but personally, it was a big shift and finally left the Bay Area after being there for a long time. And so that is a little bit about me.
0: Awesome, and out of curiosity, what made you want to go into tech banking instead of all the other different types of groups that are out there?
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it was totally prescribed. Um, You know, I think growing up in the Bay Area and going to Berkeley, tech is just the predominant industry and it was definitely one that, like everybody knows, is a very high growth, exciting industry with a ton of innovation. And when I thought about, uh, you know, having the flexibility to do a lot of things in my career in the future i think tech was an exciting foundational starting point to think about um but it was probably more a personal driven decision in that i grew up in the bay area i went to berkeley and so a number of my friends and i were all going to graduate and be in the bay area and tech is just the predominant industry if you wanted to do banking in the west coast and so um, i sort of went down that path and it was great i think tech is huge and so You may not find all pockets interesting, but chances are it touches our lives so deeply that you'll find something interesting. And that was definitely my experience.
0: Mm, Got it. And Morgan Stanley is known for having one of the best tech banking groups. Um, But I guess maybe along with that or besides that, what, from your experience, helped set Morgan Stanley apart or having worked there for a few years? What do you think that really differentiates the bank versus all the other banks because I think a lot of people and candidate students interested in banking, whether they hear Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, right, these firms might all kind of sound similar. So it would be helpful if you could kind of give your thoughts on what helped differentiate the firm for you.
1: Honestly, I think I agree that if you take a few steps back, your experience as an analyst is probably going to be really similar across all of the different banks. Um, And they're all great global platforms that do pretty much the same thing. I think the differentiation probably actually comes more when you think about an industry and and group as it relates to how it probably actually impacts your day to day, Um, because, you know, your experience as an analyst, you know, you're probably doing roughly the same work. But the quality of deals that you get to work with and companies you get to work with and the leadership role you get to take in projects is really derived by how strong that bank and that group is in in that industry. And so I think Morgan Stanley, um, from what I learned, you know, during recruiting and from my experience there has a really strong technology platform. I wouldn't necessarily say it's, you know, the same experience in all of the other groups and you're pretty siloed when you're at the bank. So I don't really know the experience of people in the industrials group or the consumer retail group, but I think in technology, I felt really confident that this was a platform where I was going to work hard, but the projects I was going to work on and the exposure I was going to get um, was going to be really differentiated and worth those hours and worth that investment. And so that was sort of my experience. Um, And I think at least, you know, when you do tech and you're in some of the more satellite offices outside of New York, um, it's kind of easier to understand what your team culture is going to be and the office culture is going to be because it's less of a huge bulge bracket headquarter firm. And it's more the 30 people that really impact your day-to-day so you can diligence that a little bit better during your recruiting process but i would say that for people that are trying to compare banks probably best to compare the teams that you might actually interview with because that will probably actually impact your experience um, and the quality of work you get to do more than the name on the door or your business card
0: Mm. got it and around 30 people is that around how many bankers are in the ms tech group I think when I joined,
1: it was a little bit smaller and it was probably 30 to 35. It's definitely grown in size, which I think is just a function of tech deal activity has grown meaningfully over the last few years. And so the analyst classes and therefore the rest of the team is a little bit bigger. But I would say that that is a typical ballpark size for, you know, what these satellite offices can look like in the Bay Area.
0: Got it. And. I think uh, a lot of people who are super knowledgeable about banking know that the MS Tech Group is run by Michael Grimes, who's a pretty well known banker who kind of was, is ranked by a lot of like banker magazines as one of the top bankers um, in the world and, and whatnot. And uh, so I was curious if, you know, what your experience was kind of like with him, like his impact on deals and the overall group. Is there anything that you could share about his like reputation or what he's like to work with?
1: Yeah, it's um, he's definitely the leader of the team. Uh, he doesn't touch on every deal, obviously, and there's a huge, you know, next layer of senior bankers that work with him. But I would say that working with him was a really interesting learning opportunity, in that he looks at projects and working with clients in a really different way. I think sometimes in banking, you can get really nitty in terms of what is the footnote on this page or the interest rate assumption you're using in this model and he was all about taking sort of three steps back and looking way bigger picture at what is the story and the recommendation and the differentiation you're going to get to the client and often that is, super qualitative and super interpersonal and it goes down to details that you would never think about like you know what does the pages look like what are you naming the file name how are you showing up to the meeting and i think that was just good perspective that you know there's a technical component to everything and this is across industries but how you connect with people and how you actually think about what your how you're what you're saying is received is probably more important than anything else and i think that's why over so many decades he's connected with so many different types of leaders and types of companies as technologies evol- evolved and finances evolved because he really thinks about it as a person to person relationship more than a you know finance transactional relationship
0: hmm. and was he someone who was like kind of always in his office and you could kind of was it like an open door policy i guess this doesn't happen uh, this doesn't only re- refer to him but the different managing directors that were at the group and other senior bankers. Is there kind of like an open door policy at MS or um, is it more like like a traditional and not so much?
1: No, I mean, banking is definitely a hierarchical industry in that, you know, you play a certain role and there are people in your deal teams that have are playing very defined roles. But I would say that the benefit of, you know, Morgan Stanley's team culture, but also just working in a smaller office is that things are very collaborative and open door. Um, And I spoke to a lot of our senior MDs one-on-one, both about work, but also just about, you know, team and feedback and recruiting and a number of more qualitative things and my career decisions. And so um, I think one of the biggest differences between maybe an internship experience um, versus joining full time is that people are, just are much more approachable and you're investing a lot of your time and that will of knock down some of these walls you may not knock down the walls when it comes to the actual work streams um because there are you know hierarchical roles that are there for a reason because things are just really busy but definitely personally um as it relates to my time at the team it felt very open door for sure
0: got it and diving actually deeper into your actual responsibilities as an analyst do you mind going into more of what you did on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah um it's Probably very similar to everybody else that did banking. Um, I would say it's a lot of interchange between Excel and PowerPoint. Um, You're pretty much the most junior person on the deal team. And so on a technical side, you know, that can involve owning, you know, financial models, doing some of the valuation analysis. Um, That really depends on what the transaction is and how technical, you know, the recommendation needs to be. And then, you know, obviously it's a client services industry and so, there's a certain level of presentation making and storytelling that happens inside. and so that's kind of your balance. Um, and there's definitely a large organizational component to it too, just you know working with other banks and other teams within you know Morgan Stanley in the bulge bracket itself, um, working with lawyers, working with the company. And so um, I think there's a bit of process development and um, kind of working on organizational stuff as well to balance some of the day-to-day work streams.
0: Got it. And as you're working through all of this, you know, bankers are known to work super, super long hours. And I think people are always from the outside curious why bankers work these long hours. And so from your own personal experience, what do you think is the cause of bankers working that the hours that they do?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, sometimes I think back and I'm like, what did I actually do in all of those hours? Um, I think it's a few things. I think, first of all, it's a client services industry. And there's a ton of banks that are all trying to work with the same companies and kind of do the same things. And so I think ultimately, speed just becomes part of the differentiating factor. And so there's this sense of urgency that just comes from the nature of the space. Um, So I think it's that, you know, there's obviously a markets driven component to the job as well. And so there's stock price and macro related unpredictability that kind of rolls into the job as well. Um, And it's hierarchical, as I mentioned, and so I think analysts sometimes get the short end of the stick where you own your work stream, but you inevitably have to wait for people to, you know, run comments or meet with a client and pass down some of the knowledge that you need to actually be able to do the next chapter of your work. And so I do think that not all the time is spent productively. You're definitely waiting for you to get the right inputs to actually be able to do your work properly. Um, And I think that there's a huge, you know, personal element to it that not a lot of people talk about in that when you join a bank, and this is very similar to consulting firms or anyone's first job out of college, it's your first time being a working professional. And so there's a steep learning curve as it relates to how do I actually do things? How do I respond to emails? How do I deal with some of the more political or uncomfortable or, you know, not clear situations on a day to day? And I think you couple that natural learning curve with the fact that these are really busy jobs. And it just means that you're going to spend a lot of hours. But I do think as you spend more time, you're just much more confident in this is how I manage things. This is how I communicate. This is how I know when to push back or not. And things just get a lot better. But I mean, I would think that, you know, if you come into banking, even doing the analyst role after two to three years of working in any industry, it would be a lot easier. Unfortunately, it's just an industry with people that are kind of becoming a professional for the first time. So there's a bit of a steep hours that kind of go with it.
0: Got it. And on on that note, actually, with the steep learning curve, I'm sure there are so many things you learn and develop, both personally and professionally. So I was wondering if you could share what were some of the key lessons or skills that you developed, both personally and professionally, from your time in banking? I think professionally,
1: it's... <laughs> A really easy answer because I came in with no skills whatsoever. Um, and that's just I think one of the greatest parts about this job is that banks know how to take these college kids that have literally no skills whatsoever and put them in a training program and put them in a group and actually output something in terms of like, oh, now I know how to do things and I actually have some skills to my name um, and can figure out maybe what I want to do next. And so I think professionally, you know, everything from the most basic Excel formatting to the most, you know, this is what the right comps are in tech and this is what's going on in the space were all just things I learned. I came in with no, you know, understanding about what was going on. I think the personal is probably more interesting, you know, just this is how you process manage with different people and stay organized and set deadlines. This is how you know when to push back um, and when to share your opinion um, and just like how to tell a story or, make a recommendation and convince people that that is your recommendation, I think is really the crux of any job in any industry. And I think banking gives you a safe place where it is not the analyst job to actually have an opinion, which means that there's no expectations and you can kind of just stretch that muscle and grow it at your own pace um, and take on more of that role over your two to three years as an analyst program. So I think there's a lot more on the interpersonal side. You also obviously learn how to work hard um, and keep organized and make priorities in your professional life and your personal life and all of that and seek out help and mentorship when you need it, which is also hard because we're all hardwired to be people to raise our hands all the time and you learn when you can't actually do that. But um, I think that is probably the more interesting part of it, just given that the professional technical skills are just table stakes. They'll just come with being a part of any of these programs.
0: Right, yeah, and you're giving me memories you're reminding me of all yeah, the different a, lot of things that I <laughs> a lot of fun memories that i went through in banking as well uh but actually uh as like a follow-up question to yeah. all of the positive and great things that you did learn in banking what are some of the most the more challenging things you experienced during your time at ms uh can you dive a little bit into some of those
1: yeah i would say that the more challenging times are probably just learning how to prioritize when there's a lot going on. I think, you know, none of the work streams are, you know, particularly challenging, right? If you have, you know, looking at it in hindsight and having a little bit of perspective, there are all kind of types of projects that have been done before. And there's a number of people in the teams that have done it and can kind of help you through it. I think the hardest thing is just feeling overwhelmed with the amount that is going on um, and learning for yourself how to prioritize and how to work quickly and accurately. And then kind of going back to what I said earlier about raising your hand and asking for help and saying that you need to be taken off something or you need to get help being put on something, I think is something that is super against a lot of people's DNA. Um, and when you join a job, you know, you obviously don't want to be that person that says, I need help all the time. But I think that balancing that ability to work hard, but work smart and work in a way that you don't burn yourself out um, is better for the team. It's better for yourself. And I would say that's probably the biggest, the biggest challenge
0: overall. Mm. And given that we spoke about both the positives and the more challenging aspects of the job, what are some ways that you think that those interested in banking or maybe don't know much about banking, like how, what are some qualities that you think that a lot of bankers have that you think are good indications that banking would be a good career choice? for Yeah,
1: them? it's a good question. I actually am really in the camp of a lot of different types of personas can do this job really well. Um, it's a broad role. That's why banks hire, you know, several analysts because what success can look like at a junior level can come from so many different types of backgrounds. Um, and you can be a more technical person and really love the nitty gritty of like deep finance concepts. You can be truly just interpersonal and like industry trends and like talking to clients. And you can kind of figure that out and be successful in a banking program. And so I and, you know, there's so many different industries. And so you can come from so many different types of um, sector passions and probably find a fit. I would say that people who are, you know, organized, um, you know, can advocate for themselves because it is a job where eventually you'll have to. Um, And then probably people that like to work on a few different things all a little bit high level versus going really deep into one thing for a long time. You know, there are people who I know who work on these product teams at tech companies that spend all day on these specific features and getting it perfect and going super deep into it. And baking is not that, you know, you're working at a ton of different types of companies and projects, things go live and die very quickly and there's a large velocity. Um, and so I think people that like that kind of pace and see energy from that versus people that want to go deep and own something start to finish um, in full detail will probably resonate more with the banking program. But I think in terms of background and skill set and where you get energy from, they can probably come from a number of different places.
0: Mm. And on the flip side, do you think there are any qualities or aspects of people that maybe you come across people and you're like, oh, this person would definitely not want to be a banker because of X, Y, Z reasons? Is there anything like that?
1: Think so. I think that it's probably more on the interpersonal. Um, and again, I really think a lot of different people can do this job. I think back to where I really struggled, and you know, the times that were challenging were probably all on the I am exhausted, and I don't really know what I'm doing, and I feel really overwhelmed. And so I think that people that can navigate through that and ask for help and prioritize and not, you know, stress themselves out and go down the rabbit hole, um, because it's really easy to do it. Um, I think those people do really well. Um, And so, but I don't really know if I've ever seen a profile and then like this person, you know, can't do Mm. banking. Because ultimately, especially at the analyst level, it's a training program for two years. And so you may train at a different learning curve. Um, And you may like it at different ends of the spectrum, but I do think it's a pretty approachable starting job for a lot of people that are interested in business or finance or sort of sector trends.
0: Okay, so got it. So according to Rutika, then anyone can be a banker. So if you're listening to this right now. Anyone can be a banker. Yeah, just go for it. I don't know
1: if everyone wants to be, um, but everyone can be. And that's probably more the keying factor.
0: Got it. And... Uh, Thinking about your time in Morgan Stanley, um, I'm sure you had your ups and downs, but do you have like a favorite memory from your time there?
1: It's a really cliche answer, but the people who um, were in my analyst class and the analyst class, you know, right above me and below me kind of continue to be some of my closest personal friends. Um, And those just come from like really random memories of all of us working late at night and blasting music and ordering takeout. Um, and venting and being in the trenches together. And those are memories that um, you can't really get anywhere else. Um, And it's awesome because you come out of school and you have all of these friends, but then suddenly you get this huge other network of people that are very similar to you in terms of their interests and their ages and backgrounds, but come from a number of different schools and uh, personal stories. And so it's a great way to graduate, um, be working hard with a bunch of other young people That you can be friends with. And then also, you know, a lot of us left Morgan Stanley, and I have this really powerful professional network of peers that are doing great things at companies and other investing funds that I draw on all the time for work purposes. And so it's cool to be in a place where you're surrounded by a bunch of young, smart people that you're very close to um, to also build a professional network because that kind of starts day one of your career and it kind of gets accelerated joining a bank and um, these big analyst classes.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people when they join banking or want to, they think of like compensation or what they'll learn and I, maybe the exit opportunities. But I, I, I also agree. I think the relationships that you form can last for a very long time and they are a very huge positive uh, result of like kind of joining in banking and working those long hours with 100%. other people and building yeah. that camaraderie. Um, But kind of as we are speaking to all these positives, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this may be interested in joining a bank and recruiting and so for uh, moving on to kind of more recruiting related tips. uh, Do you have any resources that you found really, really helpful when you were preparing for recruiting?
1: Honestly, it's, I did not draw on anything super original. I think there are the tried and true banking guides um, that I just printed out and marked up um, like I was studying for a final, and I just used a bunch of them and went from there. And so I think there's that element. And then I just tried to talk to um, as many people as I could in my school networks and my personal networks to try to get a little bit more understanding about what this industry is and what people are looking for. But Particularly on the technical side. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of resources out there that I just used. And so there was no real magic formula or special um resources that I really used that were different.
0: Got it. So probably like merges and inquisitions guide and uh breaking into wall street, like those type of
1: uh... Yeah, it's been a few years, but yeah, I think I remember my like only tip. Yeah, my only tip was like I used all of them just because reading them in different ways um and different words just helped me process what the heck was going on and it made it so that when i said it back in technical interviews i sounded a little bit less rehearsed because i read it from so many different places but um i mostly use those and i ultimately think that these interviews tend to skew a little bit more behavioral and personal and you know just conversational more than technical and so i think those guides My general sense with, you know, technical questions is that they're a checkmark more than anything else. You just need to be able to do the bare minimum, but that's not why people get the job. And so I think I focused on them to a certain degree, but I probably spend more energy just making sure that I was, you know, high energy and ready to go for those more qualitative conversations.
0: Focusing in on on those qualitative questions and behaviorals, and do you have any tips or maybe things that candidates often overlook as they're preparing or answering questions? Yeah,
1: my general idea with behavioral questions is that if you think about it on an interviewer's point of view, they're just kind of using them as like soft nudges to kind of keep the conversation going. I don't think anybody, you know, truthfully cares about, you know, your greatest weakness or the time you did X, Y, Z. They're just sort of conversation starters. And so my general advice is to just approach it as a conversation, almost try to have the interviewer. Not have to ask as many questions because you're just naturally going back and forth. Um, So that's sort of pillar one. And then, kind of going back to the point that the questions um, are more, you know, suggestions (laughs) more than anything specific, I would say that, like, don't get over indexed into answering the question, you know, hard and fast. My general advice is think about what are like the four to five personality traits or things about yourself that you really want the interviewer to get across no matter what they ask you. And just make sure that by the end of the interview, you have gotten those across. And so use the questions as platforms to actually share what you think makes you different and will get you the job. And don't kind of feel like you need to have these cookie cutter answers to sort of the questions. And so um, that was at least how I approached it. I knew you know, where my weaknesses were and where my strengths were. And I was like, I'm going to get these strengths through the interviewer, no matter what they ask. And so at least at the end, if it didn't go well, I could at least feel like I did what I wanted to do to help me, in my case, um, the best I could.
0: Hmm, that's really, that's actually really interesting. And I never thought about approaching behaviorals from like that almost mindset, almost. Uh, yeah, when you're really like selling that.
1: yourself, that's what an interview is. And so um, it shouldn't really matter what the questions are. Um, it should just really matter how you put yourself across.
0: Can, can you actually give a example of, let's say, one of the strengths that you would try to bring out in an interview? Um, maybe, yeah, just like one of the key strengths that you, whenever you entered into an interview, as you mentioned, you thought of, I really want to make sure that the interview the interviewer knows X, Y, Z about me.
1: Yeah. Um... It's interesting. I think, at least when I did banking recruiting, it was that I had done a number of these like banking internships beforehand. um, And I had had a little bit of exposure, not at that firm, but at other firms. And I think my general sense was I might not be, and I definitely was not the most technical person or the most technology knowledgeable person, but I was someone that had done her diligence beforehand and got the experiences to know what this job was going to be, right? Like, I may not be the best at it, but I know what it's going to be. And when you think about it from a bank's point of view, they want to hire great people. They also want to hire people that are going to stay and do their two years and not, you know, freak out after it gets really hard for a few months and then leave because they know that there's great exit opportunities. And so um, that was what I thought would be my strength, right? To say, I did the diligence. I've talked to a ton of people, done these internships, and I am making a really informed decision to interview here because I know I want to do this and do this program and do it fully. Um, And I think that's really important, you know, even when I think about, you know, me interviewing now in my next role is like people that have done their diligence and have shown that like they know what the job is um, and that they know that this is what they want to do. And so um, I think sometimes that matters more than skills because we can teach skills, but we can't teach someone to actually want to be there. So that is
0: Mm.
1: one example.
0: Got it. That's yeah, I think that really helps crystallize things and kind of. Building off of this tip that you provided, I think it would actually also be something very helpful with networking, too, because that's also very behavioral conversation driven. And so uh, I guess that is already one huge tip for networking. But I was wondering if you had any other tips you could provide for networking uh, in the context of banking recruiting.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, one, I think it's super important. I think it's probably even more important now that we're in this like virtual COVID type world, because you can just jump on Zoom and talk to someone, you don't have to, you know, shuttle yourself into the city in the middle of the day. And it's hard for people to get away from their desks. And so the asynchronous ability to network um, is a huge benefit. So um, I do think it's super important. I would say that the only real tips I have are just be organized about it. It's important. Um, it can also really overwhelm you. And so just keep track of, you know, who you've reached out to, how you've reached out to them. Um, I'm a huge fan of attaching your resume so that there's no avoidance of someone, you know, thinking that you may not be a great candidate. If you're confident you're a great candidate, be confident to attach your resume to it. this is what I want. Um, and, you know, just keeping it conversational, Remembering to follow up, remember to do the thank you emails, kind of keeping a spreadsheet to make sure that you've done all of that. And, you know, these people, like particularly if you're an undergrad or you're early in your career, these people are only a couple years older than you. So I would try to just keep it, you know, like you're talking to a friend or you're talking to a professional peer um, and keep it casual, get to know them, tell them more about yourself. They're really incentivized to want to hire people that they're going to enjoy working with personally as well as professionally. So Just try to keep it, you know, less um, hierarchical between like there's you and you really want to be them and just, you know, two peers that are just sort of talking about each other um, and what they do and what they want to get out of the role. And so um, I think that goes a long way. People remember those conversations more um, and just try to talk sort of 50 50. So don't just ask them questions. Make sure kind of going back to the five things you want them to know make sure that you're telling your story as well so that they actually remember who you are.
0: Yeah, and I think that is, all of that's really a great point because I think what candidates often are not able to fully keep in mind, I guess, is that bankers work 80 to 100 hours. So they want to be working with people they they enjoy speaking with. And so instead of trying to ask the most like intellectual question or whatnot, just kind of having like a good conversation is, What's really important for networking, yep. and kind of taking a step back and thinking generally about recruiting in general. Are there any tips that we haven't covered? Anything that you think would be really really helpful, and you wish that you kind of uh, knew when you were recruiting for banking?
1: No, I think you know if you think about you know what if I had to go back and sort of do it again. Um, my only real advice and tip is like get perspective from other people like talk to a bunch of people ask for advice but then ultimately like you know yourself and you know your skills and you know your background and why people should hire you so just like make your own decision because I think I got a bunch of tips of like you know have this type of internship to be able to get that type of role to look different and I'm really glad looking back that I ignored a lot of people who I trusted but probably didn't know me and why I wanted to do certain things a certain way and it worked out really well that I kind of trusted my gut at sometimes. And so I think just get advice, but also know that there's a million different paths for success. And there's one that works with your skill set and why you're hireable. And the worst thing is to try to be the second best version of yourself, try to do a path that you think will get you the job because you're just not going to be the best at it. So find the path that makes you the best. Find the skills that you know you're great at. If it means doing this prior experience. Doing this kind of program and going in via this route, just go with it um, and iterate from there because I think that that is probably the best way to actually get to the right end goal in a way mm. that is actually achievable for you without stressing you out.
0: And building off of that a little bit, you know, you, you worked in banking, which is such a male-dominated industry as many other industries are, but I think in yeah. banking it's kind of like hyper-dominated by uh, the male, and so or by men I mean and so I was wondering for the women out there who are recruiting for banking or want to work in that setting yeah. maybe feel intimidated because they are not even sure if they want to be in that setting yeah uh, what kind of tips do you have for uh, women recruiting for banking and also just women in the professional world
1: yeah uh, I love being a woman in a more male-dominated industry um, I think I you know, as a young person early in your career, you're never the person that needs to be in the meeting for the meeting to happen, right? A lot of times, you're just the observer, or you're helping out. um, And so to be a woman in a male dominated industry means that when you walk in the room, you're immediately different, people do notice you, you know, when you speak, they know who's speaking. And it's really hard to kind of forget who you are, because you're just a different person in the room. It obviously takes a certain level of confidence and, you know, comfort to be that different person in the room. But if you can overcome that um, and find support to feel comfortable in that, I do think it's a huge advantage. Every employer across industries are trying to diversify who they hire, whether that's on a gender standpoint or an ethnicity standpoint, there's a ton of helpful programs. And so there's a lot of resources that you can use to make opening the door a little bit easier. But I also think when you're actually in the job, there's great ways to actually differentiate yourself and be a more impactful presence just because you're a little bit different. And so I I like to own it. I don't think about it too much because I work at you know great places that mentor and enable, and I think the best employers do that. And so work at a place where you feel comfortable being the only woman in the room, um, but also own it as a strength and don't let that um, intimidate you out of you know looking different
0: and being different. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that perspective is maybe not something that a lot of uh, women, actually, I don't want to speak for women. But then I think for a lot of the uh, my female colleagues that I've spoken with, they don't always have that like kind of own it attitude and I think that is actually a very positive way to look at it. Yeah um, and tr-
1: it, truthfully it you have to work at a place that enables that you know you read a lot of stories of like workplaces that aren't really that respectful or friendly towards women and so it's a totally different ball game. I've been really fortunate to be in places where I feel really empowered and mentored and appreciated for being there Um, But I am one of the few women. And so I get to really use it as a strength. And so I think part of it is diligencing the place that you want to work for to the best that you can and trying to find rooms that you feel respected in. But I do think that, you know, when you're early in your career, you're still developing skills. There's a lot of people, you know, starting in these jobs. Any way that you can differentiate yourself positively is a great thing. And sometimes that's gender and you can kind of use it to your advantage.
0: Mm, Got it. And Thinking more about like your own personal kind of goals in the long run, uh, what are your long-term career goals? Um, after having worked in finance for a while, do you see yourself in a finance slash investing role for a while? Or yeah. do you see yourself doing something else?
1: Yeah, I um, you know, it's I try actually not to think about it too much. Um, you know, in college, particularly in business and Berkeley's a huge school, and so there's a lot of competition. Um, You kind of think about your career all the time. You know, you're always like, What in semester internship or what workshop do I have to do to get this role? To get this role? To get this role? You join banking. Recruiting is a huge aspect of it. You're always thinking about what do I want to do next? And I'm really fortunate to now be at a place that I love my job and there's great retention. And I really am learning and feeling like it's a great place to be. And so I definitely think that everybody should always be thinking about how to be the best version of themselves. But I also like not having to be super prescriptive for really like the first time since I started taking on a more business finance journey to be like, I'm great. I do the quarterly test, um, which is every quarter we kind of do these informal check-ins. And I'm like, if I like the people I'm working with and I learn something new, there's probably no reason for me to store the pot for no reason. So um, that's kind of like the test I do for myself. And so um, I think I'm really fortunate. I like to keep myself in roles. Um, I think we all should that open as many future doors as possible, but I don't necessarily think you have to be opening them you know, too early. So that's kind of where I am. Um, I really like investing. It's really hard to not like it because if you get bored of something, you know, the next day you're looking at a totally different type of company in a different part of the world with a totally different team. And so it's really hard to get, feel like you're in a grind. Um, But I also know that there's great other opportunities out there that come from this level of exposure and training I'm getting. And so it's kind of a good balanced spot to be.
0: Got it. That's so, it sounds like you're at a great place now and throughout the interview, you provided a lot of great tips uh, that you might have been able to tell your former um, college self. But uh, is there anything else that if you could go back in time, you could tell uh, Ratika when she was, you know, 18, 19 years old, is there, and it could be anything personal or professional related, but is there anything you would tell her?
1: I probably would say that, you know, the people that you surround yourself with are more determinant of your professional success, but also definitely your personal happiness and well-being than anything else, you know, major related or resume related or GPA or any more metric related. I think a lot of people give this advice, but I would say that it's really obvious that people and experiences give you a lot of personal gratification. But I do think I'm now realizing that particularly in business, there's a lot of skills and intelligence you can try to display in an interview. But as you go deeper into your career, who you know and your ability to win business and advocate for yourself um, and bridge network connectivity is probably more differentiating factor. And so I wouldn't underestimate just being a good person and investing in some of the more personal relationships as a professional means for success as well.
0: Got it. And I think that's a great way to end the interview. And yeah, uh, yeah I just want to say thank you again, Rutika. And I'm sure everyone who's listening to this, especially if they're interested in banking, has learned so much. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing of your course. insights. Yeah, and
1: Of course. Anytime.
0: Hope, hope to catch you uh, or hope to do this again sometime.
1: Definitely. Thanks again. All
0: right. Take care. Bye. All right. So that concludes the interview, and I hope you all found it helpful and insightful. And as a friendly reminder, if you're interested in recruiting for investment banking and want to get a guide that I've put together from my experience being the JP Morgan UC Berkeley recruiting captain, or if you want to buy the resume and cover letter that got me into JP Morgan, check out rareliquidcareers.com. I'll leave a link to it in my description. And with that said, hope to catch you all in the next interview. Thanks so much, and peace out.